Welcome back to the Haggard Stephanie Hershey's Elk High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by Double Eagle. And once again, we're live from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. And uh, tonight, Rex Burr along with Dane Filling. And uh, for this first section, we're joined uh, by Coach A.J. Calver. And uh, Dane, big show in store for tonight. Yeah, we've got um, special guest Jim Troyer along with a uh, call-in interview with the Assistant Commissioner Robert Falcons. And we have a full week of wrestling coverage for you as we are on air this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday with wrestling coverage as we see out the end of the regular season and we prepare ourselves for the postseason. Monday night uh, next week will be the uh, seating meeting. And rather than being on the air Monday night, we'll be on the air on Tuesday night. And we'll have the sectional brackets right in front of us. And uh, it will uh, it'll be a good show as we preview what uh, what the team score is going to be. We're going to have a great team race, I think, in our sectional between uh, Belmont and Adams Central and Jay County and, and Bluffton and Norwell. And it uh, should be a great team race. But uh, we've got our extra uh, phone-in guest coming in our next segment, but we're also going to take a look at the Belmont-DeKalb match, which we did not have for you on the radio, along with the AC Monroe Central match, which uh, we did not have late at night on Thursday, and the last two rounds of uh, AC invite scores, and we've got uh, other information as far as uh, the girls' state tournament, uh, our special guest, Jim Troyer, and then we take a look at the, uh, the team state tournament coming up. Sounds like a busy evening, and uh, once again, <clears throat> this show dedicated to the uh, Congratulations to uh, our special guest on his 50 years of wrestling refereeing. And uh, I refereed 25 of those 50, and I thought, that's a long time. Well, it gets double that up, and it even gets longer, you think. Rex, uh, what do you call this guy, the best? He's the best eight-and-a-half-fingered referee in the state of Indiana. <laughs> yes, he is. 50 years, that's, that is a long time. I was always time. jealous because he could do that three-point <laughs> near fall like that. <laughs> Took no effort. I had to do this or this, but no, he got this one on. Hey, Cross Creek Golf Club's Pro Shop was open today, and it's going to be open again on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And that's going to be the schedule all the way up until March 1st. And then March 1st, it'll be open every day. But if you want to stop in and talk to Dennis about scheduling an outing or you're looking for a gift certificate for your beloved, and uh, a golf scramble is a great way to raise funds for your organization or your church. Let Cross Creek handle all the heavy lifting and help you make your outing a success. Pro Shop hours, once again, will be noon until 5, and that's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, up until March the 1st. Give Cross Creek a call at 724-4316. Outing dates are going fast, so make sure you get a hold of Dennis. Now, Rex, we uh, were on the air for Delta and Adam Central on Thursday as uh, the Jets took on the Eagles. But on that same night, Belmont was wrestling against DeKalb up at DeKalb for what we decided was the first uh, midweek duel between Belmont and DeKalb since the 70s, uh, as they have always wrestled on uh, that Saturday in December for the NE8 triple duel or the NHC triple duel, and uh, COVID threw that for a loop. But uh, in that opening round, uh, or in that opening match against DeKalb, uh, Pierce Hebel got into the match because, as we saw earlier in the week, Blake Luganbill had a little uh, wrenching of the shoulders going on there against Mr. Toish from Huntington North, and, and he decided to sit out that match and uh, rest a little bit for this week with uh, five or six matches coming up. So senior Pierce Hebel gets into the match. And he wins. And he gets a major decision win, 16-8, and uh, gets things started off right. Then they followed up with uh, a big win by Dobie Litchfield, who beat Braxton Miller 4-2. And then after that, it was back-to-back wins by Calvin Farrote. Uh, Garrett Manley was sick. 
he had a German test that day also. I don't know if he was sick slash he didn't want to take the test, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Mason Myers slots down to 145 and gets a win, and then Luke Litchfield enters the lineup at 152. The DeKalb wrestler there had two or three losses on the year. That was it. Isaac Freak gets a win. Alec Mowry got a forfeit. Keegan Martin, once again, those two sophomores. Uh, no, sorry, Martin's a freshman. Right. Kukulhan's yeah. a sophomore. But uh, they get pin wins at 182 and 195. And uh, every time you get a pin from a, a freshman or a sophomore at 182, 195, uh, that's a heck of a thing. Uh, at 220, then, DeKalb gets their first win after the match is already over. Carter Miller pins Zane Botkins. At 285, Landon Armstrong beat Dalton Robinson 5-1. to DeKalb gets a pin at 106 over Bryce Rickard, but Belmont bounces back with pin wins at 113 and 120 to win the match 57-15. to In NEA action then, Columbia City has a few guys out on Saturday as they wrestle Leo, and Leo beats them. So uh, Leo's undefeated right now. They are 16-0. Uh, Coach Williams' team will be coming to Belmont tomorrow night, and we'll have that match for you on WZBD. But uh, certainly a, um, a big matchup. Coach Culp, perfectly happy to provide Coach Gunsett with as much information as he needs. <laughs> the scouting report. Because now both <clears throat> Columbia City and Belmont are rooting for Belmont tomorrow night against Leo. That would make three teams with one loss going into the tournament on Saturday, and the winner of the tournament, obviously, will be the conference champion. Yeah, so a Belmont win will put all three teams at 6-1 and one and will make for a great tournament on Saturday. They have pushed the NE8 seating meeting back until Thursday, as Belmont still needs to wrestle Norwell, so they decided to push all of that back as Huntington North will host the seating meeting Thursday night. So I'm hoping that we get to see brackets sometime on Friday, but we may not get to see them until early Saturday morning. What night of the week is the Belmont Norwell match? Is that That's Wednesday? on Wednesday. That's Wednesday, Wednesday night. Because Norwell. you know what's on Thursday night. The, Thursday gra- night. the greatest night of radio on there's, WGBD. There's no wrestling <coughs> taking place on Thursday night. There's only radio auction. <laughs> only radio auction. So don't miss it. Now, uh, we went <coughs> off the air before Belmont, uh, or sorry, Adam Central wrestled Monroe Central. We saw that Monroe Central only had six or seven guys there. It was a 63-3 to win for Adam Central. Uh, the only loss came at 145. Uh, man, Cash and Reynolds has been wrestling pretty decent all year. He ran into a pretty good uh, stretch of 145-pounders between Thursday night and Saturday. We saw him in three good matches uh, get beat. I think he went two and three on Saturday, but we'll go over those results uh, later in the show. But Adam Central beats Monroe Central then 63-3. to Rex, then we were on the air on Saturday, and we saw... Um, a 10-way tournament between uh, Adam Central and Cowan and Dwenger. And, uh, you know, what we saw from Huntington North earlier in the week sort of carried over into Saturday, and I thought that their guys looked pretty good. They were in the lead for the first two or three rounds. You know, we, we carried – we had a window, 10 to noon, carried whatever they could. We got about almost three, four rounds in, which uh, they were going pretty fast, a lot of forfeits in a couple of those rounds. But uh, saw some pretty good wrestling. And uh, didn't you say Cowan ended up coming out the victor the victor that day? Yes, I know that Coach Abbott did a little celebrating on Saturday night. He called me and said that he was very happy to win. Boys, did you wear your Collins swag for the tournament? I'd worn mine the night before at AC, and it was dirty as in a wash. That's what I told him. Oh, sure, sure. (laughs) No, I had it on, didn't I? He did. At the AC match, I did. So Cowan comes in and wins 319.5 to 315.5 by Huntington North. Bishop Dwenger 10 points behind them at 308. Adam Central, a distant fourth at 253.5. They beat Eastern Greentown by 24. We said we were going to run through these results here for you quick because we had to go off the air. Finn Meyer finishes in fourth place. He loses to Xavier Garrett of Bishop Dwenger by fall in the placement round. 
Adam Central had a forfeit, then at 113. At 120, uh, Preston Toysh is your winner over Jaden Jett of Cowan. Collier finishes fifth. Logan Allman finished 5-0. and He had five actual wins, no forfeits on the day. He beats Luke Toysh from Huntington North 7-4 to in the finals. Uh, Evan McAfee started out uh, 4-0 and and lost in the finals 6-4. to You know, something about McAfee, he is in every match. He could wrestle, you know, the fifth best guy in the state, and he's going to end up losing 8-5 to or 8-4. to <laughs> He's a very good defensive wrestler. He loses 6-4 to to Preston White of Cowan at 132. Dakota Perry finishes fourth at 138. Michael Klein, a kid who I think is a freshman from Huntington North, was maybe 3-25 and 25 or something crazy, has really shown a lot of um, growth. At 145, Tony Abbott's son, Toby, finishes first over a very good Luke Hetzner of Eastern Greentown. Cash Reynolds ends up seventh. Uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, not what you would expect him to do, but if you look at what 145 was uh, – it was awfully stacked, and uh, Cash Reynolds had a pretty decent day. He does end up winning his placement uh, match by fall, I think. He loses to Matthew Klein from Huntington North, to Hetzner, and then to Simon Garrett of uh, Bishop Dwanger to get down that far in 7th and 8th. Alex Curry, of course, goes undefeated, but he beats a very good Talon Morissette from Eastern uh, for his title at 160 pounds, another really good Weight class, Eli Hilger from Bishop Dwanger is very good. Bryce Buckley missed last year with an injury for Eastern. He was a state qualifier two years ago. But Caden um, Funk finishes in sixth place. Uh, he won two matches and lost three. Trevor Curry makes the finals at 170 but loses to Brody Porter of Eastern Greentown by fall at 182 pounds. Keegan Bloom finishes fourth. Blake Hirely finishes undefeated. Uh, as he is now 26-0 and on the year, I think, at 195. At 220, Cody Lotzenheiser finishes 8th, and Caleb Sheets finishes 6th. Nice wrap-up there, Dane. One of the many civic-minded sponsors for this year's Coaches Show is the Weber family. Brad, Mary, Blake, and even Moose know the value of organized sports in our community and have volunteered to help sponsor these broadcasts. We'd like to give a huge shout-out to the Weber family, along with all of our sponsors, in helping make our Wrestling Coaches Show a reality. So if you get a chance, please patronize our sponsors and give the Webers a heartfelt thanks. Once again, the uh, special here at the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill this week is tacos, a very good uh, taco meal for our supper tonight, Dane. Absolutely, and like every Monday night, we've got the best food in town, and uh, we expect the same for next Tuesday. Well, now, at the Double Eagle this week, they're doing redoing the floor in the kitchen, but they will have a special at noon for your lunch. Uh, that'll be the food for the day. So if you want to stop in from 10.30 or 11 until 1 o'clock or so, 1.30, I think maybe all the way to 2 o'clock, you can still get the lunch special here, but the bar at the Double Eagle will be open all day and into the evening, so don't forget Double Eagle has... Uh, Many selections, very cold beverages, and they'll hook you up with great food. With that, our weigh-in section has ended. We're going to send it back to Steve Rouse running the board for us, and we'll come back with our special guest right after these messages. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. Hi, this is Jessie from Heller Nursery. 
Heller Nursery is located 4 miles west of Decatur in between 224 and 124 on 400 West. We are open all winter long. Come check out our large selection of house plants. We have snake plants, succulents, ficus, and so many more. Heller Nursery is always a season ahead, so stop in during the winter months to plan for spring. New crops are available weekly. Check out Heller Nursery's Facebook page for current selection and specials. We are open seven days a week, year-round. Welcome back to the Hager Stephen Hershey's L High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. And uh, Rex Burr, along with Dane Filling, and timing perfectly, uh, Assistant Wrestling Commissioner for the IHSAA, Robert Falkins, is on the phone with us, Dane. And uh, we're uh, pleased to have him call in. Any good questions we have uh, studied up for this week, this evening? Well, first off, I think, Mr. Falkins, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background in wrestling and how you ended up as uh, assistant commissioner and uh, in charge of the wrestling tournament. Well, I, uh, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I know um, this is a pretty exciting time of the year. As I was listening to you guys earlier, there's a lot going on. and uh, With COVID, we've had to do a lot of rescheduling, and it sounds like you guys have been busy as you could be, and, and that's a good thing. Uh, I've been with the association now. This is my 11th year. Uh, prior to that, I was uh, 23 years as a teacher, coach, and administrator in uh, several of Marion County schools, uh, the last of which was Christmas Addicts High School. I uh, opened that again as a high school um, and was there for a little bit. Um, I, I was a wrestler in junior high, and uh, uh, after about uh, eight or nine matches, uh, I never got on the mat for a varsity match, but there was this guy named Jared Donaldson who would just, just pound me, and I decided I'm not going to do this anymore. I became a basketball player. So uh, that, that's my claim to fame in wrestling. I've really had to learn the sport in the 11 years I've, I've been around, but with guys like Jim Troyer and, and uh, Kurt Crouch around, they've taught me a lot, and I really, really appreciate the sport. So happy to be able to be uh, on the show tonight and pleased to be able to help you guys get some information out to your public. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming on. And, uh, you know, uh, wrestling is one of those sports with a really passionate fan base and uh, a lot of people that really care about the state tournament and uh, specifically the state finals. And, and how do you find the, the way that the fan base for Indiana High School wrestling sort of reacts with the sport compared to other sports? It, it is. Uh, the fan base in wrestling is phenomenal. Uh, if anybody's ever been to our state championship uh, recognized as probably one of the best state championships in the country. I, I don't care what anybody else says across the country. Our wrestling state championship is uh, is on a par with, with none other. Um, from the production value to the people that are working as volunteers to the wrestling, uh, it is a phenomenal event and one that we work really, really hard to make sure it's well worth the effort of everybody involved. You get 224 kids there on Friday. And Saturday it's 112, and it is it is phenomenal action. And uh, a lot of times, some of the best matches aren't the final matches, and and that's one of the great things about our tournament. The draws is important uh, on Sunday as anything else, and then that determines what it's going to look like. And it's really exciting. And uh, of course, the fan base has a lot to be proud of. Um, they're pretty fervent about what what happens, and that just adds to the atmosphere. And uh, your staff does a fine job of running the. Uh the event and uh, we do appreciate uh, Jason Willie who always puts us front row AJ and I get a front row seat of the best state wrestling championship in in uh, the country and uh, to go along with that just really good hospitality and uh, we always feel really welcome there each year yeah you guys work real hard at that I mean and and you know what what we 
get to do is in large part to how people perceive it and the fans uh, experience. And so everybody has to have a good time and we work real hard to make sure that it does. We start our wrestling uh, tournament, you know, even though wrestling starts in October, we're starting to work on the wrestling tournament almost immediately uh, after the end of the state final. So around April, May, June, we start that process and, and you know, getting back with people who work with us and getting their information and, and their thoughts. Uh, and then we go through the venue and, uh, we work on the alignments and everything. It, it is a it's a ten month process, and it's well worth the effort. Now, one of the big additions in the last couple of years has been the bracket reveal show with uh, Greg Rakestraw and Mike Gable. Tell us a little bit about that show and what the plans are for this year. We're going to do the same thing this year. It, it went off, uh, like you said, the last couple of years uh, at Gangbusters. Uh, you know, and again, that speaks um, to the interest level of the fans and the fan support. Uh, for uh, for that reveal show, um, we wouldn't do it if, if there was no interest in it, uh, and, uh, and and that has just certainly added to the interest. I mean, you know, before we did the show, uh, we'd always have the coaches and the wrestlers and the athletic directors, you know, bugging us about who's wrestling who, uh, and then um, we decided, you know, let's, let's just make it like any other draw show and, and and just reveal that information as soon as we can, and it's been. Uh, it's been a great addition to our, our repertoire of, of state broadcasts and, and, and tournament activities, and uh, it just adds to the fun of it all. I, I think I really get excited uh, about watching uh, um, Coach Gable. Uh, he knows every kid in the state, and it's phenomenal how well he and Rake Straw uh, detail that tournament, and it's just it just adds to the fun. And one of the other things that uh, was new to last year's uh, state finals that was kind of a brainchild of uh, Dane Fillings and uh, IndianaMat.com. We did the the pre-state final show. We had kind of a live preview and we kind of looked over the uh, the uh, venue with the crowd coming in, gathering way to get in. And uh, we had some really great guests guests on that went over really well. And we're really planning a, a big event for this year as well. You know that that's one of my favorite parts of the tourney is, is on that uh, on Saturday uh, just before the, that last session begins. I normally stand out there in the lobby where I think where you guys were last year and just, you know, just watch the crowd and talk to folks as they come in. And and just the energy level there in the last five or six years has been tremendous. Uh, and, and I hope you guys can capitalize on that this year. So, Mr. Falcons, tell us a little bit about this state tournament. Obviously, everybody wants to know what the rules are going to be and what's going to be allowed and what's not. I would assume that for sectional and regional and semi-state, it's going to be up to the health departments, the local school districts, but uh, tell us a little bit about the process as to when restrictions would be announced and uh, just overall what the plans are. Well, we've been communicating with all of our wrestling schools, our coaches and athletic directors on a weekly basis here for the last month um, just to let them know what the updates are and and, and what we know. Uh, one of the things about this, this pandemic is what you know today is entirely different than what you know two days from now. So we're trying to give it a week by week or try to not get too far ahead of ourselves, no more than a couple of weeks out. But like you said, we have 92 different counties. We have 32 different sectionals. And so each one of those sectionals may have uh, a different response to how they're going to allow uh, uh, wrestlers into the venue and whether or not they're going to have spectators in the venue. So that's going to be left up to the local uh, school district to determine how that goes. But they're going to have to communicate that uh, to the participating schools and and without question, they'll, they'll do that. And, and, and so people won't be at a lurch and, and not know uh, what, what's going on. For those uh, sites that, you know, can't have spectators, we're going to try to do our best uh, to make sure that, that, 
that parents and fans and, and, and kids, peers and, and classmates get a chance to watch them in some way, shape or form, whether we, 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 we stream it or whether we pre-record it and play it later. Uh, but we still want those kids to have an opportunity um, to see their, their classmates and their, and their, uh, and their uh, peers uh, wrestle in, in, a, in a state tournament. So all those things are up in the air. We don't know for sure, but as we get closer, uh, we're about, um, you know, just a few days away from the sectionals and things are firming up. But um, for the most part, the wrestling will be the same. What happens on the mat uh, will be the same as it's always been. The officials are going to be there as they've always been. The teams are going to be there as they've always been. And, and at the end of it all, that's what it's about, is those kids on the mat making their attempt to be a state champion. So do you still see it as a possibility that there will be fans uh, able to attend at the state wrestling tournament? We're, we're certainly hopeful of that. Um, uh, you know, right now, if you're watching the Pacers, which is where we have our, our state finals there, they're not allowing fans. But we hope that will change. Uh, we know for one that, uh, you know, Disney on Ice is there, and they've got, uh, they've got a fan allotment. Uh, and uh, our uh, setup uh, for the uh, for the venue is much like uh, Disney on Ice or, or those that show, and so we're we're confident that we'll have some fans. We don't know how many that will be and and who that will be limited to, uh, but we're hopeful um, that we'll be able to have fans, much like we did in football. Uh, you know, we were on Tuesday uh, before the state finals. We didn't find out that we we're allowed to have fans until then. So again, we we might get that same state. Uh, this year for the state finals for wrestling, and we might not know anything till Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning. But whatever we uh, we we get, whatever information we get, we'll we'll respond accordingly. We'll let the public know what's going on. WZBD also covered the state football championship to cover South Adams, and we were really impressed with the fact that 3,500 tickets were sold for each school, and I think they sold every one of them because both sides of the uh, stands when we were there were really sparsely scattered out, so it made it. Uh, so they were very COVID compliant, but uh, it was a it was a great attendance by both schools for the game that we covered. It was a great game as well. I mean, what what a game to you know you know have a a limit number on tickets. But uh, you know, Jason Arnold and, and and his crew and the folks at South Adams were were great guests. They really enjoyed the uh, the opportunity, and and they, the kids had fun. They they played a great game. Uh, and that's all we could ask, and and, um, and hopefully they'll come back and do it again. That's what I always tell the kids who play uh, in the state championship. Hey, this is one time. You, you, if it's the first time, you really don't realize what's going on until it's over. So get back here and enjoy it for real the second time. So, Mr. Falcons, as we wrap up things here, we got another minute or two, and that's it. Tell us a little bit about your vision for Indiana high school wrestling, growth of the sport. What kind of things do you see on the horizon that might change for Indiana high school wrestling? Well, one of the first things we're going to do is continue to maintain our, all our health and safety measures. And, and over the course of, of my 11 years, I think the coaches have been really, really good at making sure kids are healthy and they're wrestling at their, their proper weights and doing all the things that we need them to do uh, during our weight, uh, our, our weight management series. The coaches have also been very, very responsive in making sure that they do things to draw kids to the sport. Something as simple it's changing the, the, the way the uniform looks and, and allowing for different kinds of uniforms. That was one of the, the things we talked about to the coaches six or seven years ago, uh, started getting them thinking that way, and they've responded, and, and I think that's helped. The second thing uh, was to do more dual meets. Uh, and as I was listening to you guys earlier, uh, those dual meets are kind of fun, and, and it's a chance for you know the kid who, who's not going to pin a, a guy or, or be 
uh, a state champion, he has a chance on a Tuesday night uh, in January to be the hero uh, at 138 because he's the last match. And if he doesn't get pinned or he, or he doesn't lose, he gets a, the team wins. And, and that is a, that's a great experience for a kid to have. Uh, and I think that also draws kids to the sport. With, it will give them that opportunity um, to, to wear their school name on their chest and, and compete for their school is always a great thing. So we're going to continue to do those things to, to drive the numbers. And then the, probably one of the biggest things we're looking at is, is girls wrestling. That has you know, caught our gangbusters. The Coaches Association has done a great job with that tournament. And it just uh, shows that, uh, that, 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 that that sport is ready to go right now. And as soon as we get ready to add it, uh, we're going to do it. Uh, and COVID certainly hasn't helped, but uh, we're well on our way to adding that uh, to the repertoire of the IHSA. And with that uh, support uh, and actually enthusiasm based out of the uh, two girls from Indiana that are on the world team that are uh, ranked high in the, in the world itself in the freestyle, uh, that really is getting some of that push between behind uh, the girls wrestling. Absolutely. And, and you know, when, when girls in, from Indiana can look at those girls as role models, they can certainly see that um, they have that opportunity as well. And, you know, they have an opportunity to do this in college and beyond. And, and that's one of the, the great things that we have to offer is uh, we're, we're on the cutting edge in Indiana with respect uh, to pro- providing those opportunities uh, for our girl wrestlers. And, and once we get a, a, a state tournament uh, for them, uh, much like we have for the boys, I think our numbers will just explode. Do you know when you think that might be, Commissioner? I, I didn't hear that. Say that again. Do you know when you think that uh, girls' state tournament may take off? We've, we've heard it was based yeah, on numbers and didn't know if we were getting close to that number or not. Where the, the numbers are getting there, um, you know, we, we started this about three years ago, and I was thinking five to seven years. I think we're right on schedule to get that. And, you know, I think COVID has just absolutely uh, put a hammer on um, to that timetable, but um, given what uh, happened last week with the girls' uh, state championships that was hosted by the Coaches Association, uh, we may rebound a little bit quicker than what I thought, but uh, I just think we're well on our way to adding that as a sport. Well, Mr. Falcons, we definitely thank you for coming on our show tonight. We definitely look forward to seeing you in the uh, hospitality room in the bowels of Banker's Life Fieldhouse here in four or five weeks. And uh, we thank you for all that you do and all that the IHSAA does. And as we've seen other states around us uh, not have sports or delay it or push it off for a season, we certainly appreciate everything that you and Paul and everybody else at the uh, Indianapolis offices are doing. Well, thank you much. And, uh, you know, thanks to you guys for what you're doing that to get our message out and, uh, and just listening to you guys talk about the kids on the radio show and the teams and the coaches is phenomenal. And, and I think that's as much uh, of an indication of how successful our sport is in the state of Indiana is that we're, we're talking about wrestling on a Monday night in Indiana in the winter, uh, and Indiana's known as a basketball state. whoop de frickin' do We've got wrestling going on, and it's kind of important. Well, we like to hang our hat on the fact, uh, Commissioner, that we are the best radio talk show in the state of Indiana. <laughs> well, tonight I'll agree with you. Well, we're the only wrestling show in the state of Indiana, so that, that's why. Hands down. We, we do appreciate you Very calling good. in, and uh, we, we appreciate looking forward to seeing the state tournament. And, uh, we will uh, right. we, Thank you. Well, definitely look me up uh, on the 19th and 20th. I'd be glad to talk to you guys and would look forward to having that conversation. Thank you, sir. All right, talk to you later. And that's been uh, Assistant Commissioner for Wrestling, Robert Falkins, from the IHSAA, who uh, was great and good enough to call in to us uh, here tonight. And with that, we're going to send it back to the studio for a round of message and be back with our special guest, uh, Jim Troyer, right after these messages.
Enjoy neighborhood living and peace of mind for your family in a two-bedroom, one-bedroom, or studio apartment at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living. New address, new home, new life with household amenities including menu choices and times tailored to your liking. A family room with fireplace and bistro, laundry and housekeeping services. A state-of-the-art response system and medication reminders are included too at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living, 1300 Mercer Avenue in Decatur. For a private tour, call 260-728-4038. When you're doing new construction or remodeling and you need drywall, the name to call is Paul Baker Drywall. Paul Baker Drywall does championship caliber work and gives you free estimates. Paul uses all the latest styles for your approval and his work is always guaranteed. Give Paul a call today at 701-4388. That's 701-4388. When it's time for drywall, use the best Paul Baker Drywall. Looking for a trusted name in home or farm insulation? Ted Sprunger Insulation has been taking care of families in our area since 1978. When it comes to spraying foam and cellulose insulation, Ted Sprunger Insulation can't be beat for service or price. Give them a call today at 273-5068 or at 824-3021. That's 273-5068 or 824-3021. Ted Sprunger Insulation. High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. Once again, Rex along with Dane Filling and our special guest, uh, Jim Troyer, and also another special guest who worked almost as many years as uh, Jim Troyer, calling in from Florida, uh, our old buddy Ed Carazzi, who is now retired and living the warm life down in Florida. G- good evening, Ed. Thanks for calling in. Uh, thanks, Rex. Uh, I'll be happy to talk to Jimmy. Hi, Ed. How are you doing? You know. I'm doing good, Jim. You know, we did it a lot of matches like, uh, together. <laughs> it sounds like you're doing good. Yes. So how how many years did you end up working, Ed, for a state final, for overall in your overall career? Oh, gee, I think I started in, I think I, it was about 20, 25, 30 years. Well, I probably worked, more like thirty. I worked twenty-five and thought that's a long time, and I was only half as long as Jimmy. So that's why we had Jimmy on talk ref, refereeing here tonight. And uh, uh, several of our guests were supposed to be here tonight. I know that Russ Isaac's supposed to be here, but uh, he's he's a caretaker for a couple of his elderly parents, and he didn't want to risk uh, getting the COVID for them. And your old buddy Stanley Hostetler was going to come, but uh, he's only had half of his COVID shot, so he was a little bit weary. So we told him, "Yeah, stay home. Uh, you older guys need to take care of yourself, and that's just we want to keep you safe." Yeah, that's true. That's real true. Don't point but, at you know, me, Dan. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy was a little bit younger, and I think when I uh, first got to start officiating with Jim, I think he did a lot of officiating with Tom Liddell. Yes, I did. Is that right, Jim? Yep. yep. I did about 43 years with Tom Liddell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a, lo- a long time. <laughs> So, um, how how are you doing down in Florida, Ed? What are you doing to keep yourself busy down there? Playing a little golf or just uh, staying in the warm weather? Well, I'm staying in the warm weather, but I'm playing uh, golf three times a week. And um, I have to say my uh, my golf scores have been uh, better now than uh, when I was back north. So, Well, yeah, you didn't uh, have to play in a sweatshirt and a coat and gloves and things like that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's a good thing. 
Well, Ed, we're, uh, uh, we really appreciate you calling in. Uh, just to wish Jim uh, congratulations on his 50 years. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, you stay safe and healthy down in Florida. And uh, any last final words for the rest of it? we got a speaker set up here, a lot of guys here. Uh, uh, our old buddy, buddy uh, Jim Hitler's here, uh, and uh, Jimmy Bop's here, AJ, and um, Tyrone Wilson. <laughs> I was like, Tyrone. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, Jimmy, I'm um, I'm kind of sad that you're uh, getting out of it. Fifty years, I guess, is a long enough time. Yeah, uh, that's but what it was I figured. Certainly, a, a pleasure working with you. Uh, a pleasure working with you. You taught me a lot when I was starting. I mean, you and uh, several guys from South Bend and all, and the Muncie officials and. Uh, they got me started when I was a little kid <laughs> and green behind the ears. So I wouldn't have been as good as I can be if it wasn't for you guys. Was it, uh, was it the, the move, the cradle? Was that the one we, we talked about a, a lot when you were first starting? Yeah, when I blew that call. <laughs> 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 yeah, several times. Well, I know that uh, officials tend to razz each other a little bit. A lot of people don't know what goes on behind the scenes. But the the very first year that I worked my first uh, individual state finals, uh, Brad Williamson and I got it at the same time. And uh, you you brought bad Brad Williamson a card, and it had like a bear on there. Said somebody being nervous, and uh, Ed drew a little little puddle on around underneath him, and he said, don't wet yourself when it blow the whistle the first time. And Williamson just thought that got the biggest kick out of that. But we, we do appreciate it. And, uh, Ed, uh, we're going to get to our our special uh, special section here with Jim Troy. We do appreciate you calling in. Uh, you take, stay safe down there, and uh, take care if you would, please. Uh, thanks, uh, Rex, and everything down here is real good. I'm 83, and I'm doing fine. All right, so. Eddie. Thanks for calling in, and I will keep in touch with you, okay? Okay, good luck, Jimmy. Thanks, Eddie. And that's been a long time uh, referee and a friend of ours, Ed Carazzi, out of the Fort Wayne area. And uh, uh, like some of the guys, he did not start out as a wrestler. He had uh, um, Gary Weiss, who was a wrestler, got with him and kind of showed him. It's like, and we always felt that wrestlers made better referees because you know the feel, you know, he kind of anticipate. And some guys had to learn it, and Ed was one of the guys that learned it very well. <coughs> So, Jim, as we uh, welcome you to the show officially here, tell us a little bit about your uh, background uh, in wrestling and in officiating. So, uh, way back in 1967, Oak Hill started. I went to Oak Hill High School, and they started wrestling that year, in my sophomore year. Actually, we had club wrestling my freshman year, and I wrestled three years of high school for them, and uh, I was a little... Uh, six and nine pound freshman uh, and so football was out of the question and uh, when wrestling came in it was more my size where I could compete against any or uh, against people so uh, I started wrestling my sophomore year and wrestled all three years and got uh, got uh, varsity letters on all three then I went to Manchester High School or College and wrestled under Jim Gratz for one year. And uh, basically while I was there, I got my official's license because I thought, you know, I there was a couple guys in my dorm that were had their license that had been there and 
they talked me into getting mine, and uh, and then I, when I re- quit school and went to work at a factory that I've been at now, this summer I'll be there for 50 years too. So uh, I wanted to try to stay at one place, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. That's a lot of respect for doing that in two different fields, for sure. So uh, basically then I started refereeing, and, and like I say, there's when I got – started i was like a like i say 117 pounds uh, about five foot six and uh uh and i went to coaches and basically and i'm going to say like jim hitler and guy named uh, bill campbell and several coaches around my area basically uh i went to them and told them hey i'm new i'm fresh and i want to learn and you know, I might not do a good job tonight, but afterwards I'll take any criticism and any teaching that they can do. And I'm going to say all of them helped me become a better official every time I referee. I tell that to my younger officials that I work with. Uh, and uh, and it makes, you know, me feel prouder of that I'm doing the, giving them the same situation that I came in. And and- you know, one of our guests earlier in the year was Tony Drysdale, and uh, I saw him last week at Homestead and uh, made a quick post on Facebook, a, a picture of him, and, and put it on there and said that he did a nice job. And he got a couple of compliments um, from other officials. Kurt Crouch was one of them that just said, you know, there's a guy who's put in the time and put in the work. And I think that probably has a lot to do with it when it comes to officiating is learning the rules, putting yourself through all those situations, seeing all of the different types of tournaments. And, uh, you know, it's not something that young people in a lot of ways want to do anymore. There's a lot, there's a lot of criticism when you're first starting. Um, people know that you're new, know that you're fresh, but uh, it's something that, uh, that takes a lot of work. And that's basically our, the hard part, keeping kids in to officiate. And, you know, you basically have to, you know, if, and I tell them to go to coaches and things because, you know, they have to take the criticism but also learn from them because if you can get them out there for like five years and then they got enough, you know, they'll stay in. But we have, I mean, in our association down in uh, North Central, you know, if we get a couple in and then they quit after like two or three years and they just say, yeah, I don't like it or this and that. You know, Jim and I, you and I would go around and tell coaches, you know, we'd watch some of the way they treated some of these young officials, and they'd ride them too hard, and you'd pull them aside. Mm-hmm. Look, old guys are going to retire, and this is what you're going to have. You've got to back off these guys, yeah. let them get their feet wet a little bit, and then, then as they've got some experience, maybe chew on them a little bit. You've got to let these guys go, and don't back them off until you run them all off, because you won't have good officials someday. And I think we went away from uh, back in my days when I started, we didn't actually have junior high wrestling very much. So you went out and you worked varsity or went out and worked the JV matches with guys like Joe Sparks, uh, Ed Karazzi, uh, a guy named uh, Robinson from Fort Wayne, uh, Campbell from Muncie and and uh, Gary Geisler from here and everything. And you worked the JV for them. And then they helped you learn to get better. Uh, we started doing that in our association in the last couple of years. You know, I, I got a young guy that's actually, and it really helps me out because I let him referee, and I sit and or I do the assistant referee around him, and he gets that, you know, varsity experience 
and, and all. The hardest part is uh, junior high because you got the next coach to think he's going to have the next state champion, and he they just yell too much at the officials, and we have the young officials down there. I mean, I still do junior high because I love watching the kids at junior high in the, and see them six years later at state finals. I mean, you just see the growth of those kids, and it's always been fun for me to do the junior high matches. So when were your first state finals as an official? Uh, 1984. Any memories from that year specifically? Uh, it would scary. have been a Delta state championship, correct, in 1984? I think yeah, they so. won 80 through 85. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, just, you know, my uh, – First thing was, you know, I was supposed to do the, uh, what was it, one sixty some pound class final, and a kid from uh, from Wallace C was going to wrestle somebody, but the kid that he was supposed to wrestle got hurt and won by a, you know, illegal thing, so I had a forfeit. <laughs> So they decided to give me the heavyweight match then. I had I went out my first state final final was hold up kids' hand, you know, and say, Hey, you won. <laughs> okay, Jimmy, you don't get off without embarrassment tonight. Tell us the greatest match you ever wrestled refereed at state finals that you don't remember how it ended. Uh that was uh I, I know how it ended. <laughs> Somebody as, told you how it ended. Yeah, they told me how it ended. I was doing a match on the map four at Market Square Arena and the wrestler was uh Andy Andy Woods from uh up at Elkhart or something. And uh he was about ready to fall out of bounds in on the floor. So I decided to be a hero and catch him. And I caught an elbow right in the temple of my eye or, you know, and next thing I know, they were asking me where I was. (laughs) He was out like a light. I was gone for a while. I had a black eye. For my final match, I had a black eye and everything already. But, yes, I have a bad habit of thinking that I'm big enough to catch heavyweights. And I still do that today. Things (laughs) things like that happen. Dana and I had a match on Saturday, and a guy was in a cradle, and the referee was trying to look, and the guy was kicking and kicking. I was like, sometimes you guys decide, where's the least amount of angle I'm going to get kicked? And I I had a match one time. A guy threw a headlock, and he was down looking, and and I was looking to see where it was at, and I had my face on a mat, and a kid changed his position and switched his knee up and come up and hit me right on top of the head with the knee. I called the fall, and then I was out. I didn't remember what happened after that, but I made sure I had a kid to call the fall whether he was pinned or not. But, uh, I mean, referees, we take a beating sometimes. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of times I've been kicked in the head, you know, down looking for a pin, and you really like it when the parents are yelling, he's pinning, he's pinning, you you don't know, you got kicked. <laughs> and everything. So, so, so after 50 years, uh, you've officiated a lot of matches, but you've also watched a lot of matches. You know, at the state finals, you've got 12 officials and maybe only one or two out on the mats during the finals. What's your favorite match that you remember just as a spectator, as getting that nice seat down there on the floor to be able to watch? So I'm going to have to say the greatest match was the heavyweight match like three, four years ago. Robert Samuels? Yes. And Ricky Ricky Clark from Brownsburg. And it was the most fabulous match that you could ever watch. I mean, they had two heavyweights that actually went after each other. And it wasn't and a state finals either, was it? Wasn't it a semi? It was for third and fourth. Third and fourth, because I was back in the room and I come back yeah. out. I was like, what's going on out here? It's like the, and, the yeah, World Series. You know, and that was probably the best match I've ever seen in my life as far as for heavyweights, because usually you think 
heavyweights are dancing bears <laughs> and, and everything. So and they, and they traded they traded takedowns and throws. And when they'd go out of bounds, the other one would help the other one up, and they'd go back to the center. And the whole crowd was up on their feet, and uh, definitely one of my my favorite moments. That from, is uh, that is Indiana high school wrestling at its best. Yes, you yeah. know. And there's, I mean, there's been several. I mean, the Sturtz's kid. I mean, I had his final match one time and uh, several others uh, that I've done. The That I just, you know, each one you go out is just different. I mean, I I still, even today and even last year, you know, when I did my final state finals, individual state finals and everything, that uh, I still get nervous and tense until I blow the whistle and then I'm thinking, okay, I I can do this now. <laughs> so, Jimmy, but, do you ever have that rotation in state finals where you had the the first match and the last one? I had that two years in a row. You you get all jacked up for the lightweights and you do match. Then you got to sit there for 11, then, <laughs> 11 matches. And then for end. like four hours and you're like half asleep and the last match rolls around. It's like then you get get jacked up again. And then sometimes I had one a pin fall in like 43 seconds. It was over. So Yeah, I've go, done that, that one a couple times. Like I've done 18 state finals as individuals. And everything, so it's been fun and uh, uh, worked with some great officials and, and referees for some great coaches and some great wrestlers. Well, Rex, as we finish up the second period, we'll be back with Jim during the third third period. But I want to tell you about Madman Wrestling Academy. And uh, as the calendar turns towards the state tournament and then the folk style state tournament and freestyle state tournament. Madman Wrestling Academy, run by Tim Myers here in Decatur, Indiana, is uh, proud to boast uh, multiple IHSAA state placers over the last few years since Tim has started his academy. Alex Curry, William Feechter, Caden Freet, Cale Gray, Isaac Rubel, John Rubel, and this is an academy open to wrestlers from all over the Fort Wayne and Decatur area. And uh, get a hold of Tim. Look for his ad on um, Indiana Matt, I believe. And uh, let's see, I've got... Uh, contact info here for you madman wrestling academy he's got a brochure here 1435 west 750 north decatur indiana you can email coach myers at myers149 at hotmail.com that's madman wrestling academy llc he's got the fall guys that's his fall um workshop that he does and then he's got a spring workshop that gets guys ready for uh what they do for the spring tournaments for the iswa tournaments and uh, Coach Meyer's doing a great thing, and it's really cool to see the way now that Belmont wrestlers interact with their counterparts from Adam Central and from Leo and from New Haven and uh, Bluffton. All of those guys are really friends and root for each other when they're not competing with each other on the mat, and uh, when they make it down to the state finals, uh, they're, they're all cheering for each other. Well, don't go anywhere, fans, because we're going to go away for this commercial break, come back, we're going to spend more time with Jim. Troyer, and then after that, then our extra podcast session, we have a live mic hooked up here, and uh, some of the uh, wrestling referees, friends of uh, Jim that have came down here, and we're going to have some more talk, but right now we're going to send back to studio Steve Giggle, um, Steve Rouse run aboard for us with, uh, we'll be back with more wrestling talk right after this. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. 
the trained and knowledgeable staff of surgeons at Adams Memorial Hospital are dedicated to personalized care in surgical services. General surgeons Dr. Megan Arntz and Dr. Jennifer Taylor and orthopedic surgeon Dr. David Coates use the latest technology to perform a variety of procedures. The trained staff serves your surgical needs by providing individual care in a safe environment along with education for you and your family. Hi, this is Jessie from Heller Nursery. Heller Nursery is located four miles west of Decatur in between 224 and 124 on 400 West. We are open all winter long. Come check out our large selection of house plants. We have snake plants, succulents, ficus, and so many more. Heller Nursery is always a season ahead, so stop in during the winter months to plan for spring. New crops are available weekly. Check out Heller Nursery's Facebook page for current selection and specials. We are open seven days a week, year-round. Welcome back to Hager Seppner, Hershey's Hill High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. I'd like to thank all of our sponsors uh, that are played studio, uh, all their commercials played back to studio. Rex Berlin with Dane Filling, still joined here by our special guest, uh, Jim Troyer. And uh, great to have another special guest call in, two special phone guests this week with Coach with uh, Ed Krazy, former referee, and uh, Commissioner Robert Falcons, uh, giving us some insight on uh, what we're having, looking for the end of the season. And I just checked my email from uh, Mr. Falcons. He's already emailed asking to uh, be on the show again. So we thank him very much for his participation. And uh, like hey, he said, we've they, got a great fan base in Indiana who love Indiana high school wrestling. We've had some great people in the past that have stoked that fire from Rex Peckinpah way back in the day with the original message boards to what Joe Caprino does now on Indiana Matt. And everything that we add to it just builds up those those two days that great weekend in february that we all just sort of build our year around who says sucking up doesn't hurt doesn't count right it it never does hurt so rex we're going to go through the broadcast schedule for the next week for wzbd tomorrow night we've got leo at belmont in wrestling as the undefeated leo lions come to belmont and uh, we try to make it a three-way tie at the top of the ne8 we've got uh on wednesday then belmont at norwell in wrestling and obviously you know Belmont can beat Leo tomorrow night, but if they lose to Norwell on Wednesday, it's all for nothing. So um, a, a, a rare weeknight duel at Norwell, which we haven't had in a while. And then uh, after that, we've got Pacers basketball on Thursday then. Clear your schedules. It's radio auction starting at 6 o'clock on Friday night then. Uh, the first round of the ACAC tourney at Jay County High School starts at 6 p.m. And we will be back on uh, air on Saturday for the NE8 tourney, but not before the high school basketball coaches show with Matt Conversay. Wrestling starts at 9 a.m. We're not sure exactly when we're going to go on air, but we will let you know at least by the end of the broadcast on Wednesday what round we uh, intend to start out there. And then we also have uh, Huntington North at Belmont basketball on Saturday at 7. On Sunday, then, we've got um, the AFC championship game and the NFC Championship game on WZBD Live. And then next Monday night, it'll be the Matt Painter Show, and then we will have Pacers basketball after that because our show, Rex, is on Tuesday night. And if my schedule is correct here, because we have basketball at 7 o'clock, then our show next week on Tuesday will be at 6. We will run through the sectional brackets for the Jay County sectional, and then we will hand it off to... um, whoever's doing the radio broadcast, and then we'll obviously have the uh, the podcast after that. 
So remember, folks, uh, stay tuned uh, or tune into the podcast and listen to that because uh, some of the best interviews take place after we go off WZBD, but uh, a lot of fine radio on WZBD in that first hour show. Yeah, now for tomorrow's match, Leo has just uh, 17 guys on their team, uh, but they fill a full uh, lineup. They should not have any forfeits tomorrow night. They've got some really solid guys at 120 pounds. They've got Jacob Veach. He's a senior. Uh, they've got another senior at 113 that will challenge Ike Rubel, Sam Ford. Um, at 138 pounds, they have, uh, if I remember to check here, Ian Heath, who's ranked uh, top two or three, I think. Number two. He is number two at 138 <clears throat> pounds. He'll be wrestling Calvin Farrote. And then uh, down towards the bottom, they've got a senior, Hunter Prawl, at 195 pounds. Uh, that should be a good match. They were missing their heavyweight on Saturday when they beat Columbia City. He'll be up against Dalton Robinson, but I expect a very good duel, as all of the Belmont-Leo duels have been since Leo joined the conference. And uh, we always look forward to a fine match. Uh, there's been times when AJ and I went up to uh, Leo, and uh, we got hammered, got beat pretty bad. Uh, we've talked several times this season about the, the night we went up there, and uh, Bryce Bumgarner wrestled the last match tonight. Tech fall wouldn't win and had to pin him, and he was up, and he had tech fall points and gets the kid who's back, and he's got to put him away or the match is over and uh, was able to finish the deal. And uh, we've had some great matches against Leo. And since uh, Hot Rod Williams has came into that program, I see he's really picked up the game, and he's had some pretty good, pretty good teams. And, you know, that, that match that you mentioned with Bryce Bumgartner, I will never forget because uh, I was at the funeral home for my good friend Todd Gerke, who uh, was one of the most uh, ardent supporters of Belmont Wrestling. And uh, it was a big party at the funeral home, which is the way that Todd wanted it. And uh, classmate of yours, correct? Correct. And, uh, you know, everybody there was listening to your broadcast. And there were tears. And I'm not, you know, that's not hyperbole. It's not anything. There were people crying so happy uh, to listen to Belmont and get that win that year. And uh, just just something that, I, that I'll never forget from your guys' broadcast. Todd was actually related to me through marriage. His mother and my father-in-law were stepbrother and sister. I did not know that. Uh, Todd Gerke's family still uh, sponsoring a weight class for the Belmont program, and uh, his legacy lives on uh, just somebody who really appreciated Belmont athletics. So as we wind down our uh, first half of the uh, Haggard Stefan Hershey Zelt High School Wrestling Weekly, and we're getting ready to send it back to the studio, Steve Rouse, and uh, he will then take over to the rest of the fine song singers and bands for the rest of the evening, and then we'll go into our podcast section. I'd like to thank uh, all the guests that have uh, called in. Uh, all of our fine, our fine sponsors and all of the guests that have shown up here uh, table side that will be on the air here in a few minutes when we go to the podcast section. I have a mic hooked up here so we can have a little referee talk along the way. But uh, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and tune in next Tuesday night, correct, Dane? Yes. Next Tuesday night will be our show. We'll be on air at 6, not 7, because we have Adam Central basketball after that. With that, we're sending back to Steve Rouse running aboard for us and uh, tune in on next Tuesday and we'll be back with more wrestling talk next week. So obviously we've shared some stories about past uh, state finals, but uh, sometimes the best memories are made at those single duels between uh, a couple of good teams on a Tuesday night. And, uh, you know, Jim, why don't you share some of your memories about, uh, about bringing Mr. Troyer on to uh, officiate? Well, you know, you can just tell by listening to Jim, and uh, and if you're around him for a while, he's just a, a man that has a lot of humility. And when you come into the sport and you want to know what it's going to take to be good and what it's going to take to get better, that's a great place to start. 
And I think that probably impressed me about as much as anything with him. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things about the sport of wrestling that help it to grow, and, and there are some things that probably inhibit growth. But at the end of the day, Jim's career will be recognized as a career that helped wrestling grow in a lot of, lot of different ways. Uh, just by the way he conducted himself and what he commanded on the mat, what he expected from wrestlers. Um, he, 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 he was, he's one of the guys that was good for the sport, period. The other thing that stands out in my mind is, you know, as a coach, you're intense. And I was probably as demanding as, as the next guy. Um, in terms of what I expected, not just from wrestlers, from myself, but from a referee. And uh, what, I, what stands out in my mind is <clears throat> if we'd be in a close match, I wanted things to go my way. And I'd argue for it. And, and I'd be convinced in my head that I was justified in going after something. But Jim kept shaking his head no. Or he'd be pointing at a specific situation. It caused me to just get back on my heels a little bit and say, "I'm probably biased here." <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and so, yeah. Just and, a little. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, anyways, he he was one of the guys that I just trusted his judgment and and valued his friendship. So, Jim, how many years did you, Jim Troyer, this is, how many years did you act as one of the interpreters for the state to go around to the different segments and, and give the interpretation rules meeting to the the group area? I mean, I remember 10, probably, 12 years. Probably almost 20. 20? As far as, uh, it's when they basically took it away or, uh, and not had it and everything. Uh, I'm going to say that my one of my favorite matches of doing was when I did the Huntington North and Belmont match, and I can't think what year it was, but one of them was rated like fifth in the state, and one was rated about sixth in the state, and it was at Huntington North, and I went in there, and and all of a sudden I come out of the locker room, and it's like six, seven thousand people, <laughs> you know, both sides are filled, and it went down to the heavyweight match. And uh, I think Huntington pulled it off that year. <laughs> and, and it was just, I mean, it was just loud and, you know, and several good matches and everything. Well, fans um, fans probably don't have, most of our young fans now do not remember when heavyweight was unlimited. Yeah. Jim, did uh, Mark Story referee wrestle for you? Yes. So yes. I'm working a match for these guys at the, uh, the famous Invitational. And they had the bleachers pulled back, so the mat was wrapping us there. And Mark's story, I tried to weigh him one time on a on a on those grain scales, and he, what he top out at? I'm not sure we ever really knew what he <laughs> topped out at. To be honest with you, so so big Mark's wrestling, and I'm between the wrestlers and the bleachers, and he catches his heel and he starts falling back towards me, and I just went back against him and I put my hands out and I put a hand on each one of his buttocks and pushed him back, and he looked at me like, don't touch me like during my... He was 385, at, at something least. like that. He was the kind of heavyweight where if he bear-hugged you and went down on top of you, you disappeared. Because <laughs> I, think, I think they even had... Uh, they wrestled, I think, Miss Sunwan at your thing, and the, they had the horn kid that weighed like 3 
60. They couldn't get his weight either. <laughs> and I had both of them, and they both went off the mat at the same time. And me being stupid thought I'd catch them. Yeah. Luckily, I got out of the way and only caught one guy's head because they would have killed me. <laughs> and, you know, since we have since we have Jim Hitler here, and you're talking about young fans, a, a lot of people around Belmont Wrestling probably don't realize uh, how neck and neck Huntington North and Belmont were in your era, oh. Rex. And I, I've got the document in front of us. Uh, December 29th, 1977. Huntington North beats Belmont 29-24 for the first time. And the season after that, January 11, 1979, with Coach Calver still at the helm, I think, uh, Huntington North wins a second match against Belmont 34-25. So you guys were, were real rivals there at the, at the end of the 1970s. Well, AJ can attest to this. I think one of those is on me because I missed weight for one of those matches. I got a funny story about that. One of the Huntington matches I missed weight so for and we lost. We'll bring on Tyrone Wilson, who was a member of both of those teams. I was, yes, I was uh, 79 in particular. Uh, we knew it was going to be a big match, and uh, I was in the band. And we had a concert that night. And uh, I told the coach, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to wrestle. And I told the band director, I'm going to wrestle. I was 132. And, uh, and the band director says, well, you're going you're gonna to get an F for the concert. You're going to fail the semester if you don't participate in, in, in the concert because that's academics and that's more important than wrestling. I said, I don't care. I'm going <laughs> to wrestle because my match was the, the they match them up. It was like my match was the one. It's like every other match was pretty much determined. It's like if I win, we win. If I lose, we lose. The band, I was a mediocre trumper, trumpet player at best. And I was like, it doesn't matter whether I, I'm at that concert or not. And I was going to take the F. So long story short, the athletic director went to the principal. The principal went back to the band director and says, Tyrone's going to wrestle. He gets an A in band. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrestled that night. I, I don't know. Probably wrestled Stevie Mendez. He was our 32-pounder back then. Yeah, all I remember is he had braces. And that was yeah, back before the day. Wasn't Stevie Mendez. It was back, it was back in the day. By my, my junior, sophomore junior yeah. year, but I wrestled a kid from Belmont. I never lost to a Belmont wrestler. Um, and uh, this, this one kid, is, it was back in the day, we'd have to wear uh, mouth guards for braces. <laughs> and... I just cross-faced the mess out of him, and his lips were like hamburger when we were done. And we didn't stop for blood back then either, remember. We didn't stop for blood unless it was bad enough that it was slippery. I don't know who that had been because there wasn't anybody on my team had enough money for braces. <laughs> Look at these teeth. I should have had braces, and yeah. my mom didn't have money. But. So, I can anyway, take mine yeah. out. That was, a, that was a 79. We, we, uh, we beat Belmont, yeah. So, Jim, you know, looking back at, at that era, and we talk about it a lot on here, the crowds of – 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. How did that make you feel as an official back then to to have that sort of crowd? I mean, obviously, at the state finals, it's a little bit different because you may have 10,000 people there, but maybe only 1,500 of them really care about the outcome. The rest are just there for the entertainment. But when you get into a a Belmont-Huntington-North match in the late 70s or Belmont-Adams Central when, you know, you you need – Oh, you're just nervous as everything. I mean, you're thinking – if you blow a call, and especially when Jim was sitting in that corner, you know, and, and like you say, he gets intense. I mean, Jim is, you know, is a was a is a great and was a great man and great coach. But and 
and a guy named Andrew King, if you ever referee for him, uh, they were always up, active, you know, and, you know, out there, you know, and, and doing what they should do as a coach, as, you know, trying to get the best for them. Uh, I'm always an official that, you know, I don't mind that. As long as you're not bad talking me, you can do anything you want. And a lot of, there's a lot of coaches or a lot of some officials worry about what the coaches are doing. I don't worry about them doing unless they bother me. <laughs> and so, but like Jim, like we talked earlier, he's saying that, you know, he gets out there in a little tense and might be a little biased about his team, but <laughs> just a little. <laughs> you know. But uh, but it always worked out that, you know, but like I say, when you go in there and there's that many fans, I mean, you go to like Fort Wayne Carroll, you know, I was always shocked one time I went in Fort Wayne Carroll and they had 50-some kids. And I thought, okay. And then I found out they're wrestling Belmont that night and I'm going to have to do JV and varsity both and there's like 35 <laughs> matches. And you, you, you're there like for all day. You know, it was like... You know, Jim, you talk about coaches and one of my, <laughs> one of my good friends, the, the late, great uh, Fred Tone, he was so involved and so passionate for his kids that he would yell and scream, and not at the official, but he'd get lost. And there was a time I had a big match in a regional, and kids go out of bounds, and they hustle back to center. And I look back, and Fred's inside a 10-foot circle still coaching his kid. Yeah. And I was like, Fred. He said, what? And I said, look where you're at. And he goes, oh, my God. And he runs back, and he gets to the side of the mat, and he takes, he takes a warm-up of a kid, and he ties it around the leg of the chair to his ankle. And he said, well, that'll keep me there. And I look over, and he's laid flat out on a mat with his – like leg tied to the chair, and he's still out of the moment. I mean, and that's just how passionate he was. He never, he never was aggressive to me as official, but they were so passionate, he'd just get lost in a match for his kids. I always loved doing Dwinger matches when Tone was there because he just the ball always frog. in it. Yeah, the bullfrog. The frog. <laughs> you know. Troyer! <laughs> well, one of my favorite things about the sport is the consistency of coaches, and, and you recognize faces, and you remember uh, matches that, they, that you've seen them before, and you can expect different things about them. And we had a situation earlier in the year where uh, Eric Myers wanted to uh, argue a call, and uh, you know, we knew right away when, when he argued the way that he was, oh, he was serious because he's not one to, to get overly involved with some things. And it's kind of funny how you see some coaches is you may see one coach do one thing and you don't think anything of it, but when you see another coach get up out of his chair and, and start to raise his voice, you're like, oh, boy, he's mad. Yeah, Myers took the program and it wadded up and twisted out, threw in the middle of Matt, and it's like, he's upset. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, the, the great credit, and you talk about, uh, you know, uh, we talk about coaching trees all the time, and we talk about Barry Humble and all of the people that, that, that he mentored, and you talked about young officials that you've been around. It was Josh Howard who had that match. And uh, Josh, immediately after that dual meet was over, he went right back to Eric. And they talked about the situation, and Eric explained what he thought he had seen. And then once the match was over, they talked about it. And uh, I, I know that they, they, they talked about it more. But uh, Eric Meyer still was not happy, but they talked about it. <laughs> but uh, tell us a little bit, uh, who else have you uh, mentored? Who is still out there officiating that, that you sort of took under your wing in your association and is still out there? Uh, so I still have Jim Hoover that has done several states. Uh, Chuck Liddell, Tommy's boy. You know, he's back in officiating and he's capable of doing the state. He's up there. He's already done his three semi-states that he can get in. Uh, 
Uh, Scott Billings is in our association, uh, uh, but I've had in the past, I've had Doc Helms, uh, Holl- Mark Hollingsworth, uh, um, even Tom Liddell, you know, that, him and I working together helped him get through each other and all. Uh, I think, you know, the one thing that you said earlier about your club wrestling, how everybody comes together, I think wrestling, through my whole 50 years of wrestling, we're a family. Coaches, wrestlers, officials are all families. I mean, we get together. I mean, yeah, you might hate me today. Tomorrow you're my best friend. And it's always been that way, I think, the whole 50 years that I've been refereeing. Like, I walk out on the mat, and, and I treat each kid with respect because – and I'm going to tell you a story like Saturday. Oak Hill's got a kid that six years he's been wrestling. He's a senior this year has never wrestled a varsity match until his senior year. I mean, he's been the underdog all these five years. This year he's like 20 and three and because he just, you know, kept out there and everything. And he congratulated me for my 50th year in wrestling after I did his match on, and on Saturday. But then I turned around and congratulated him that he had enough, you know, endurance and thing to stay out at a sport that he wasn't wrestling varsity until his senior year and has put in the time and effort and it just you know like I say I love when see him in junior high and then see him in here at a senior that he has built you know to stay out there at a sport that I love since I was you know 17 15 17 years old is his name Bruce Teamy yeah, no. <laughs> hey, Jim, question for you. Back in the early days when you were officiating, when coaches were allowed a little more leeway as far as being able to get out of their chair, stomp around a little bit, chew on the officials a little bit, Throw yell at their kids. Throw their glasses. I'll throw whatever they had in their hands. But uh, And if they were kicked out, it was just for a session. Yes. And then they were back for the next session as opposed to being kicked out for not only that event, but the next event, and then you've got to write a letter to the IHSA mm-hmm. detailing why they should let you back at all. Uh, from what I can see now, it, it kind of hamstrings wrestling coaches more than it does basketball coaches or football coaches in terms of their ability to you know, vent a little bit. <clears throat> And I don't think it ever affected you. I, I, me chewing on you never made a difference. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, uh, uh, I think the same thing is that, you know, our, the penalty now is a little bit more strenuous and has made the coaches stay a little bit more. But you also you have to listen, you know, are they coaching their kid or are they just trying to help their kids and take that in thing. And I know Tyrone is great of letting coaches do their job and we do ours and Bob Jim Bob does the same thing I mean we need to allow them to do their thing I mean I'm going to tell you a story about uh, official uh, Keith Moomaw coach Miss Stunawa High School for many years and uh, he had uh, he wrestled against our alma mater Oak Hill and he thought he had you know he was going to win this state match or the dual meet between Oak Hill and Miss Stunawa and uh, came down to the last match, and, you know, and I had to make a close call, costing him the match, and he chased me clear back into the locker room <laughs> saying that I screwed him on the match, knocking at the door and everything. <laughs> so I had to write him up. So I wrote him up, 
and then uh, his AD made him write an apologetic letter to me. And everything, you know, we bring this up to each other. He said that he still thinks I took that match from him, but I didn't. <laughs> well, he was probably right in his mind. <laughs> in his mind, but, you know, but we've always, you know, we've always bring it up and we've always had a good time with it. Well, Hitler and I both agreed. He and I saw it the same way. <laughs> Our kid got every call. We should get every call. Yeah. Not 50-50. Every yeah. damn yeah. call yeah. Yep. should go our way. You know, there's a lot of coaches think that. <laughs> and now the funny thing is you and Mumi have been friend, best friends for years now. He's oh, yeah. refereeing. And there's I stay at his house every time we have to go down south to referee together. I mean, him and I usually have our tournaments are always together. We do our schedule together. I go stay at his house that, you know, his wife thinks I – I have a room there now, <laughs> and so I go with him everywhere we go. And there so. are times when you have to, like, go through Kokomo. Yeah, <laughs> and have a good time. Here's the thing I tell, tell my younger officials is that um, uh, you got to realize officials and coaches are going to see the same thing in a different way. We as officials, we look at it, like I guys, through, through uh, processing through our mind and the rules and things like that, and coaches are more engaged with their heart because they're, they're – they, they were connected with the wrestler. And so we, we see things that just happened to me a couple of weeks ago where, where the, a coach that I have a lot of respect for, I know he has a lot of respect for me, we just saw something, the same thing, completely differently. And uh, so I, I, I just, when, when a coach is, is, is saying something from the, from the side, I don't even hear it anymore. I, I, I just intentionally don't hear anything that happens from the sideline. The coach has got to go to the table. Or else I just completely ignore it. Um, it just goes in one and out the other unless he goes to the table. Then I say, Coach, what's your question? Um, so, but f- then after the match, I'll get together with that coach. And I said, Hey, you know, let's, let's talk about this. We'll talk about it. And we just, you know, patch up anything and, and just keep good relations with, with everybody. And, uh, it works out. We just have to recognize we see things differently. You know, we, we talk about different guests we've had on, and uh, Tony Abbott was our guest uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I didn't remember this, but we were talking off-air, and he said that uh, when he was a first-year coach from Muncie South, and he said he was chewing on me, and I made a fall call that he didn't think it was a fall call, and he said two, three matches later, he said he's still chewing on me about that fall call I called earlier, and he said I'm down there looking, and he's chewing in my ear, and he said this guy's like this high off the mat, and he said, I called a fall call, and I leaned back to him and said, now that was a bad call. I don't remember that, but he he said he said I learned that day that you can be as mad as you want, but that guy makes the final decision. Yep, you know, there's times that you know coaches are just so intense that they're out there, but you know you're down there looking, and and I don't call quick ball. So I get yelled at a lot. He's pinned. He's pinned. And I'm thinking, no, he's not pinned until I slap the mat. So that's when it's going to happen, you know, and everything. But from my position uh, as a a writer, I'm often sitting in the stands amongst the parents. And it always blows my mind to hear someone yell from 50 rows up that someone's pinned. And Troyer's down there with his cheek on the mat looking at the shoulders. And they think that they have a better view. That's like when you look at that guy in the top row and you go, he's about that much yet. You know. And uh, it, it always amazes me that people think that you're looking at anything other than their shoulders. Yes. I mean, what else yeah. could you possibly be looking at as you're looking down there? But that's kind of funny how the way that works. So uh, we've also got Jim Bob here with us as uh, another uh, distinguished guest to wish 
Mr. Troyer, good luck on retirement. Now, you said that uh, you're not working the state finals this year, and I think after – It's got a rotation. Right, there's a rotation, so you can't work it. Is it – how many years in a row can you work it? Just one or two? Two two years and two out. Okay. So you'll be done, I assume, at a semi-state this year? Sectional. At a sectional. That's all I can do. That's all you you can do. Okay, we should ask Mr. – we should ask uh, Assistant Commissioner Falcons (laughs) about that one. That's that's something the officials are a little bit upset about because sometimes the best guys are on the sideline. Now, I heard Mm -hmm. earlier today that uh, those assignments will be going out soon, so you don't know yet which sectional. I have actually asked for a sectional, so I'm hoping I get – I asked for two of them, and I'm hoping I get one of them. Because I would like to do the area that got me started, mm-hmm. you know, and down in uh, Grant County, Wabash area, Howard County, Miami County. That's where I started, and I'd like to be finish a nice there. place to, to finish. finish up. Yep, you know. So, so from but, one gym and another gym to another gym, Jim Bop, do you have any uh, stories to tell about Mr. Troyer? I do. When I first got started, um, I was one of those 19-year-olds, so really didn't know what time the weigh-in was. And uh, I was working with uh, Jim. I think we were at Northside, actually, at that point in time Portland. back then. Yeah. And uh, he gets there. The time, he weighs everybody else in. And I show up about five minutes before the actual meet starts thinking, well, that's when the weigh-in is, you know. I walk in there, and he says, hey, Bob, you're late for the weigh-in. So what do you mean? Should you just be getting started? He said, oh, heck no, it was a long time ago. <laughs> so I got a little trouble over that one. And, but he's been a uh, good mentor for us in this area, too. Yeah. You know? So it's not just, just your area. It's the whole state of Indiana. Yeah. So it means a lot that uh, 50 years, that's a lot. Jim's so, always been a you know, consistent referee. When I, when I work with him, he's always been – you know, wanting to learn and getting better and better, and you know, and, and he's, a, he's a state qualified official. I got a guy named uh, Mike Miller that I have. He started out working with me, and then ended up in the Fort Wayne Association because <clears throat> of where he lives and and his job, and he's capable of doing it. So I, you know, when I I'm waiting. Of course, Jim got his state and everything, and deserves more. So hopefully, he'll get back in there. So, and Mike Miller should get his shot, you know. They're guys I have worked with in that in that area. Uh, but it's just, you know, like I say, it's the family, and we, and they're all our associations, we help each other. If we go work in another area, we help each other at that time. I don't, you know, I'm who I am, but I'm not, I don't voice. And I, I don't make myself think I'm that great. I just do my job. <laughs> and a lot, a lot of people don't, don't realize, but, you know, as you're a young ref, referee starting out, you really don't want to work a lot of matches in your area. You know, during my, you know, I started in 1981 with my first season, and, and Belmont was kind of a powerhouse. Well, you're not going to work in your in your hometown that so I worked for the first 10 15 years I didn't work any Belmont matches unless I picked them up in a tournament someplace if I was assigned but so some of the people in your own area don't realize that the quality of referee you are or what level you've worked to because you're not around I was a little bit different than that though because I had a guy named Larry Hawker out of Mississinawong that hired me there and then finally he said you know you need to do matches around here because we need good officials around here so I started doing Oak Hill matches probably the fourth year I was in, 
you know, and, and they were just another school to me. I mean, I'd go on the mat, you know, I don't care who won or lost. I just wanted to make sure I did the right job. And so Oak Hill still even hires me today, and you know, so, but. So on that topic, one question that I'm always interested to ask officials is, how big of a fan are you of Indiana high school wrestling? How, how well do you know who's beaten who, who the names are? When you get to the state finals, how many times do you know, boy, this would be an upset if this kid beat this kid? I don't think I am. I'm not. I, I hear it. I mean, I see it on Facebook or something like that, but I don't go on the Indiana mat that much uh, because I don't want to know when mm-hmm. I go there. I want to I know, hey, it's just two kids against each other. So I don't look to see, you know, I, I forget one year I did a state match and then they go, well, that's number one versus number two you're doing. No, they're just two kids for me <laughs> because I don't care whether they're one or two. Yep. You know, I mean, I've been booed at state finals, you know, 10,000 people yelling. Who booing, hasn't? Come on, Jim, know, who hasn't? I know, you know, and I made one call, you know, and I still, like, see, it'd be six years ago or something, I made a call where I hit both kids for unsportsmanlike and got booed by both teams, <laughs> you know. So, and I still think I made the right call. You know, somebody thought I should have threw the one kid out because he took a punch, but the other guy kept hitting him too. So uh, <laughs> it's just how I felt that day. I wanted the kids to determine the match, not me. You know, so I hit them both, put them back there, and talk, told them, I say, hey, I could throw you both out now, or you guys can decide who wins this match. And they did. They went in overtime, and I got a takedown, and it was all over with. And I thought it was the best match I ever called. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's the same way. I don't. I intentionally don't want to know who these kids are. So I, I really don't follow the sport of wrestling as, as a fan. And uh, I remember one time I was up at um, uh, open tournament at Michigan State. And uh, again, it's this open tournament, right? And I was doing this match, and these fans are just going crazy. I'm like, well, what's, what's going on here? So, so I finished the match up, and I walk off the mat, and, and I'm like, what was that all about? And the person was at, looking at me like I was some sort of idiot. Well, it was Michigan State and Michigan's number one recruits. They were coming in as freshmen. They were wrestling each other, and that's why the place was going crazy. I had no idea who these kids were. See, now back in the day when Jim and I were refereeing, Indiana Matt was not there. Thanks to Joe Caprino and the guys that have made it made it more popular where you can know who this is and who this is. That wasn't around. We had Matt Burns where we had uh, – Richard J. Richard J. And Richard J. would put out the Matt, the Matt Burns magazine. Mm-hmm. It came out every couple of weeks or something. But we did not have the technology, and we did not we did not know as much as the kids do now. Yeah, it just you know you just went there and refereed and 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 not worry about. It. Now I lo- like listening to the local wrestlers. I mean, I'll keep up a little bit around my area. Say, hey, you know. Couple kids go to church with me, and I'm thinking, okay, how did you do this weekend? I'll talk to them there, or you know, who's your best competitor in the TRC or mm-hmm. or the CIC when I'm around. But as far as statewide, I don't really you know go out there and try to find out who's number one or if it's on uh you know uh, tweets and everything that I, on any Matt tweet or this and that, I'll look at it, but. I really don't go there. I mean, it's 
the Shepherd family from Western Indiana, and I've done five <clears throat> generation of them, uh-huh. and it's just like that one shocked me. And they had all boys until Chad finally had a girl. I mean, so yeah, I mean, so I went up to Grandma last year when they had the kid and say, "What's it going to be like having a girl in the family?" I mean, you never had one, <laughs> and uh, so and she's just like my mom because she's brought up, she's been with me for forty years almost. <laughs> So. Yeah, Jim, do you, um, I know when I officiate a match, I officiate a match It's the same, whether it's a middle school match, two first-year kids, or it's uh, yeah. the state finals. Yeah, I don't. It's, 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 it's about the kids and calling it right. It's not, yeah, it's I don't not, go. It. I mean, when I'm doing a junior high match or I'm doing the, uh, uh, you know, when I did college matches, they called them the same. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, I didn't do a lot of freestyle because I coached girls softball for 15 years or 20 years and in high school. And so when I got done with wrestling, I had to go right into softball. So I didn't get in any of the freestyle wrestling or that. I really didn't like freestyle, <laughs> but I love folk style. But I mean, but it just, I mean, I just didn't have time for it. So I, I have a Jimmy Troyer story. We were working someplace and uh, he told me this story. is like his second or third section. I ever worked, they assigned him to Adam Central. And uh, he shows up. Well, actually, probably 10 years in, he shows up down Central, and, and this state trooper meets him at the door. And he says, I'm going to be your escort for the day. And he goes, what do I need a police escort for? And he said, oh, apparently you don't know much about this sectional, do you? And that was Leroy Stryker. And Leroy Stryker was working this past Saturday. I went down and talked to him. I'm at, but uh, Leroy was a state trooper, and he went with Jim all day long. And Jim's like, I don't need a state trooper. And he said, when I walked up to Jim, I was glad the state trooper was with me on the way to the car. Yeah, you know, I... I remember doing that. Of course, you, you brought up my three fingers, you know, and everything. And I, it, the go around refereeing and everything. And when I referee, I was doing the team state at Adam Central, and I'm out there. And, and actually, I had cut off my other, uh, another that, finger. That's the half at the at the half at the finger. And I'm out there refereeing, and all of a sudden, I I give the points, and all of a sudden, I look over at the at the corner, and there's Belmont kids. And they all going, look at that ref. He only has three fingers. And it just, like, blows my mind when they see it and everything. And I'm You've been thinking, doing this for 50 years, and they just now notice, for <laughs> yeah, God's sake. And it's, so, and it's it's always so funny, I mean, when I get out there and people do see it. But it's really easy to get three on that hand. You lost that when you are just a child, right? Just really yeah, small. Yeah, when I was day before my birthday when I turned five and everything. <laughs> but that's probably the biggest thing in wrestling when they went to different – the wristbands, you know, I always called with my right hand. I never used my left hand at all. And it's like when they brought the wristbands in, I mean, it was really hard for me to get three fingers on a good hand. Yeah, get three fingers on it until I cut that one off. And then it was like <laughs> it's two and a half. I, yeah, then I know which one to grab. <laughs> you know? So, But, yeah, it's a, a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. Wrestling is just, you know, like I say, it's been a dream for me. I'm giving Leroy a hard time. I went down in between rounds, and I told him, I said, Dane up there, a referee, and I said, look, down, I said, that guy looks like Leroy Stryker, but Leroy Stryker has black hair. He, yeah, says, you, he said Leroy Stryker used to have black hair. <laughs> he lives over in your area now and teaches over there. Oh, yeah, there. he's in our association. Yeah. He does a good job. You know, yeah. He'll be, move up. Don't let Rex fuel you. He went down there to get more muffins because yeah. I had to bring us back for I, the broadcast. I, didn't, I did not get any more muffins. Uh, we're going to be back here at 12 o'clock, and it's 12 o'clock, and Rex is down there eating muffins, talking to Leroy, and I'm up here with the equipment trying to figure out how to get us back on air. But. I just say, I'm back, and start talking. They flip a switch. You're good. 
So my last question for you, your favorite tournament that you ever officiated. Uh, was it an Al Smith? Was it a, a, a sectional uh, team state at Center Grove? Your all-time favorite. I guess it'd be Belmont Invitational. Super and Duel. The yeah. main Duel event. Ones, uh, the main yes, event. you know, the, the, the teams that they had there was always competitive, and it was just, like, intense the whole time. I mean, it was always, you know, it, you, you didn't have a weak team there. So you had, and you usually had four good officials. I mean, I worked with Karazi and several of my buddies there, and we just had a good time. But it was always competitive when I was there. And I just, that meet was always, one I always put on my schedule usually, and then somehow we got messed up on the schedule and I got out of there. And But they were always, uh, you do a Belmont match at... In that tournament, you went against, you know, like Bloomington South and, and Mishawaka and all them. And it was just, like, always intense. And intense matches make you referee better. I mean, the uh, the more intense the match is, I think the better you are because you just, you know, you concentrate more yeah, to I can do have, it. I can That's have... why state finals are always so much better for me because you go out there and, you know, the call you make couldn't – be some kid's heartbroken. <laughs> I can imagine that it's probably a lot more fun to do those matches than a, a dual meet with 10 or 11 first round or first period pins yeah. where you're not really expecting anything after yeah. that initial takedown. That's the biggest thing I see in wrestling that, that I get upset at is that people de- or teams that are weak that don't have a lot of wrestlers worry about a dual meet win instead of having uh, kids wrestle. They'll have a 132-pound class from, let's say, this school mm-hmm. and 126 pound from this and school. And you'll have two forfeits. And, and they'll have two forfeits instead of wrestling each other. So this parent has came all the ways to see their kids just hold up their hand and not get to wrestle because they're worrying about, oh, winning the duel or their record being, you know, and and I think, you know, like I do sometimes, you know, and don't Hope Falcons ain't work. Listen to this. He may pick but, up the podcast. You know, yeah. know. but uh, I'll say, hey, you know, after the match, let's do an exhibition. You wrestle those two together. That way, their parents get to see them. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's just stupid to take forfeits. That's one. Of the I reasons. mean, they both they both forfeit each other, so they haven't wrestled. So you don't have to worry about the forty-five minute thing. You know, we need to get more kids out there to wrestle, and and to have parents, you know, get to see their kids wrestle. That could be one of the reasons why I ended up retiring after 25 years and went into radio because, number one, people don't yell, you suck at you when you're on the radio. They, like just, tell it, they just tell it to you the next day. Yeah. I don't you know, me and Moomal does all yeah. the time. We're, yeah, we're yeah, sitting down there going, you suck. So, <laughs> so if you would get in your car and drive 45 minutes to an hour someplace, you'd show up, you'd have a match with five or six forfeits, you'd get in your car, and you'd drive back home, lasted longer than a match, and – I know that I really psyched up for sectional, regional, semi-state, state, because that's where I got to see all my buddies again. The matches you had during the week, some of the wrestling had fallen down to the point where this was not super exciting, and it, re- it really took a lot for you to get up for that match, opposed to like doing a Belmont versus Delta kind of match. So I don't get down, though. When I get there, I'm still, like Tyrone said, when I get there, I'm going to do the best I do. But it just upsets you that, you know, the coaches – 
don't want the kids to wrestle. You know, I, and I'm going to say when I was 95 pounder all through my high school, I, I had a lot of forfeits and I always hated that, you know. So I'd wrestle up sometimes to 103, you know, just to get a match in and everything. But he'd wrestle up to a weight class that's still three pounds lighter though, than a lighter weight class we have today. <laughs> I was I was happy to hear Mr. Falcons talk about the emphasis on, on promoting dual meets and I, I think there were uh not a lot, but several programs across the state that had just completely given up on recruiting any type of beginning wrestler. And they were only taking those kids who had four or five or six years of wrestling experience and they maybe only had four or five teams and weren't even attempting to schedule a duel against anybody and we're only going to every Saturday the whole tournament. I think there's a place for almost every team in Indiana to schedule four or five good duel meets or four or five good triple meets. You know, some of these teams that only have six, eight, ten wrestlers, you can we were talking earlier about Belmont and Huntington North and East Noble going until midnight when we got home. But you can get, um, you know, three teams with six, eight, ten wrestlers to wrestle two matches, which basically makes up one dual meet on a weeknight and still get something in. And I think that's something that um, the team state tournament has helped a little bit in promoting bringing in a few more guys to the teams. But I think that's something that Indiana wrestling needs to keep working on because a lot of these kids enjoy wrestling a lot more when they get to wrestle within 45 minutes of home, in front of friends and family, in front of their parents, and it's not every Saturday yeah. for a 9- and 10-hour tournament. I mean, I've done several matches this year. I've gone, and it's taken me 45 minutes to drive there, 15 minutes to weigh them in, and 10 minutes to do the meet. I mean, they had four matches, and I'm heading out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, I showered, cleaned up, and gone, you know, and it's – and I still got paid. So, you know, so, I felt guilty about it some. So, Jimmy, as we wind this down, what do you want to tell the fans out there that tune in about uh, your 50 years in wrestling and what it's meant to you and what the fans have meant to you and, and people that might be listening to our show that uh, you want to say your, your final passing words here on our show? That wrestling's the best sport of, for any kid because you wrestle against your own uh, size and weight. I mean, there's not a lot of difference other than the, the big boys. There's a lot of difference up there, but usually you're there. And the fans are so intense. I mean, and and especially this year when you don't have the fans there. I mean, we as officials, we miss that. I'm sorry, I do. I, I mean, I mean, they go there streaming it, but I don't hear somebody yelling at me or this <clears throat> and that. And it's just like dead. I mean, only, now you hear the coaches more because the fans aren't over yelling at them. And so I miss the fans because I always enjoyed them. I mean, I, I've been, you know, I had a fan come out of stand, grab me by the shirt on the mat, you know, because he thought his kid was being hurt and everything. Of course, you know, he got taken to jail for a while. You know, <laughs> but, uh, but I miss that part of the, the fans. are Fans are what make wrestling. You missed the arrests. Yeah, yeah, you know. But, because the, one, the wrestler was a sheriff. I mean, the you know, wrestling coach was a sheriff, so he took care of it. I didn't have to. <laughs> I scared to death, but, you know. But uh, but I missed the fans, and I think i am be glad when this is all over and the fans are back in there for people. You know, and I'm still going to be a fan. I'll go watch, you know, my young official 
go and and my buddies referee and everything because I still miss it, you know, as far as that. But it's just time to go. I mean, fifty years is you know fifty it's, years. It's time to go. <laughs> and my my body says that you know I can still do a lot of it, but. I don't know, Rex knows me that I'm very intense as far as trying to catch kids and this and that. And Jim Choi can't catch them right now. (laughs) When you do join that fan base up there, remember, you won't ever miss a call. I know. You know. I, I mean, I, I watch, you know, and I, I'll go down and tell you, Bob, that you did. But, you know. <laughs> yes, you will. Brewer has, Brewer, we do it all time. Brewer has told me several times on mine. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, the thousands of fans on the radio is like, Troyer missed that call. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Dane and I have power. AJ and I have power. The officials will usually come to us and match. Don't dog me on the air. <laughs> they point first, don't dog me on the air. Let me know if I do a bad job. And it's like, uh, you're good. And afterwards, we'll tell them. Off the air, you were good or you're bad. But we, if you're bad, we turn the mics off. <laughs> so yeah, that'd be the part you know I probably miss the most is, and I, I the most I'll miss is like you know when you and I and Williamson mm-hmm. and Parsons work together, the camaraderie. Yeah, and uh, now it's Hoover, Numal uh, uh, and uh, Ladell and I work together. Those <coughs> those Saturday meets or those triple duels during the week that we. We get together, we have a good time, and then and everything. I'll miss my, you know, working with the Fort Wayne officials, working with, you know, the Indianapolis officials, South Bend officials. You, just the family life of all. You know, you know. The, the old good guys are becoming a dying breed, literally. We talked to Eddie Krasia. Yeah, I, you know, I've refereed for years, 83 years old. You know, I never would have thought, I'm not going to ask your age because I know that I'm a tick away from 60 myself. And I was, so, one, of the, I was one of the young kids. So I started when I was 18. Now tell you how old I am. <laughs> Rex, Re- math isn't Rex's strength. So. Yeah. Well, I'm That's the, why I gave that to him. He never I, knew what two and three was at the time. What are you talking about? I knew how old you were, but I know you just don't ask somebody older than they are in age. Well, I'm proud of what I came. I mean, you know. Be out on the mat at 68 years old is pretty good. <laughs> well, we uh, certainly thank all of you for coming and being a part of our show. And, and I know I have a lot of respect for all of you guys. Uh, I have a newfound respect for my new role in radio. Um, the idea that you guys will hold up a dual meet so that we can get our commercials in to do what we do, uh, I think shows a lot of respect for just the overall growth of the sport. And uh, I, I appreciate that. And, that was uh, always hard for me when Rex was doing that. He always, I, I'm the type to have to get it going. And then finally Rex would look. He'd wave his hands at me and say, don't start it yet. And i go, man. We want to make the best <laughs> program for the people who can't be there. And this year it's as important as ever. Well, I'm going to tell you, you know, and I told you earlier, I, I love when I'm over in this area and I turn on the radio and I'm going home or something and you guys are still on the radio because I'd done a short match somewhere. I'd turn it on and I'd listen as I go by, you know, and that way and catch up on the matches that are there. And, and I enjoy your guys. And we really have to thank our station owner, Rob Weaver, who just really supports sports on the radio in general. We cover everything. Listen to the, the wrap-up of what Dane said we're going to do this week. There's sports on the air almost every day, hours of the day, multiple. We do wrestling all day. They go to basketball at night, and they may pick every the Pacers game after that or basketball game and uh, Indiana Sports Talk with Bob Level. And it's like they've supported that, and people really appreciate it because people from outside this area say, you have wrestling on the radio? Are you crazy? And it's like, no, we did it for 40 years thanks to that guy right there. So, Yeah. I, I 
couple of years ago, uh, Wabash Radio did the Peru sectional, Peru regional, and I thought it was really good. But then it, I didn't see him come back the next year, so I didn't know. We certainly have a great amount of community support, and uh, I'll tell you what, you know, we did cover the Belmont DeKalb match last Thursday because we had AC and Delta, and it was you already on our schedule, and we caught a lot of heck <laughs> for it because people expect it, and uh, certainly, like you said, in, in this year with well, COVID, people south of 124 appreciated <laughs> it. Yeah, they did. So uh, we did our best, and uh, uh, one of my favorite things about covering local wrestling is you get through that regular season you get the conference tournaments and then we're all together it's all adam central and south adams and as we progress further in the tournament it becomes less cheering against adam central or against south adams or against belmont and it becomes more cheering for them because they're not in your quarter bracket and uh, like you said it's a family and as you branch out you root more and more for the people around you and here in fort wayne you know, we're the little guy anymore. And uh, if there's a kid from Snyder on Friday night, I'm cheering for him because. Especially at the uh, state finals. When you get down there, you can see the sections. So you have, you know, the modern day section. You have the Fort Wayne section. You have the other section, you know, the Indianapolis section. And, and it's just like, like I say, this family's over here. No matter which kid's out there, if it's Snyder, Belmont, or Adams Central, they're yelling for that them to win and hope Mother Day loses. <laughs> and, and Jim yeah. and Jim and Tyrone and myself can all tell you that if you work the Fort Wayne semi-state, Fort Wayne semi-state is the best location to referee a semi-state. I've worked at East Chicago. Only, only as long as they don't have ice on the floor. <laughs> if they have ice underneath the mat, it is too cold and hard. See you, man. Speaking of modern day, our guest next week is the one and only Mike Gable, and he'll be joining us with his partner in crime, Randy Helfrick. On the so, phone, I take it. Evansville's yes. an eight-hour drive, and yes. they're not going to they, drive uh, They're not going to drive all the way up here. But uh, we look forward to talking to them, and um, uh, we are looking forward to our Tuesday show as we go over the sectional brackets before we talk to, uh, to those two. Well, once again, we'd like to thank all of our fine sponsors. I'd like to thank Steve Rouse for running board for us. I'd like to thank all the officials, coaches, and fans that uh, showed up for uh, tonight's event. I'd like to thank Jim for being our special guest, and uh, uh, we really do appreciate you uh, being here, and we wish you luck in your final season and then after that to become a fan. Thank you for inviting me. I had a good, great time. So, so once again, tune in to listen to Dane and I next Tuesday night at 6 o'clock for the sectional bracket show.